Let's open God's word to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deli deliver us fr from the evil one. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you so much, Chiwa. Well, good morning. Thank you. Just checking to see that you're all awake. That's good. It's good to see that you are. It's good to be gathered here this morning, isn't it? It's good to have you online with us as well. So welcome to the service. It is great to be here just celebrating, singing praises and glory to our Lord and Father. And this morning we are going to commence this short series um, dealing with the 21 days of prayer for revival as QB has um, called us as a people and as a church too. And uh, I think we'll find that revival is an interesting subject. If, if we were to conduct a survey in this place this morning and to ask, who of you believes we should have or we need a revival? And I think the vast majority of us would actually raise our hands. If we were then to ask if you actually wanted a revival, I think again we'd see the vast majority of hands actually go up and say, yes, we do actually want a revival. If we were to take that one step further though and ask you what revival actually was, I think the responses would actually suddenly be minimalised. The numbers would drop dramatically. And so, first and foremost, I want to say revival is not an encounter based on an emotional experience. It is not a feeling, it is not something that is caused by temporary manipulation, it is not an act of will or a change of behaviour in mannerisms or conduct or anything like that. It's a spiritual awakening. It's an awakening, an awakening that brings a profound and terrible conviction of sin. It's an awareness of the majesty, holiness, grace, love, power, and many other attributes of our incredible God. And when we compare who He is to our brokenness, our disobedience, it brings a humility and repentance and then an unspeakable joy as we experience the incredible gift and favour of God's grace, love and forgiveness. It is a hunger for that which we could never gain on our own. It's His holiness and there comes the determination to submit afresh to Him all that we are, all that we have, and to live a life not for ourselves, but to daily sacrifice all that I am, all that I could be, in order to joyfully serve He who has saved me and called me His own. It can only come from an encounter with God. It is God who is the giver of life, and we who constantly drift away. Our scriptures and history tells us that. We're a people who become lethargic, we become indifferent, we become insensitive to sin, we become weak. And we need revival. We need to be brought back to life. We need a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit on each and every one of us. And when we read the book of James... The challenge is for God's people, for believers to act like God's people. 
there is this call to put aside all those things which would hinder us from living for God in the manner we should. In James 1.22, we are called to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And then here, in James 4.8, we are called to draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. This is James speaking to believers. And this is the call for us to turn from our sins, to repent, to forsake all our evil ways. And this should be our prayer, that we turn from all evil and submit ourselves fully to him. Then we will be purified, cleansed by the blood of Jesus and able to be used for his glory and purposes. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you that it challenges. I thank you it transforms. I thank you, Lord, that it draws us closer to you when we give you and your word the time that it deserves in our lives. Forgive us when we haven't, Lord. And this morning, Lord, my prayer remains simple. Reveal the truth of your word to us. And Lord, let that again be a transforming word to us. Let it challenge us, Lord. Do your work by power of Holy Spirit, I pray this morning. And let us leave this place. Let us turn off our TVs at home, having been transformed by what you've said this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First and foremost, I need to let you know that the material that we're using is actually based on that which is provided by QB, so this is not my own material. It's certainly been something that I've looked at and I've adapted it to be more me, but uh, we are basing our messages on what has been provided by QB over these next few weeks. But I think you'd agree with me, we are living in desperate times right now in the world that we are in. Uh, there are more and more challenges being placed upon us and our Christian worldview, and our time to act is now. How we respond in this time will be crucial to the future of God's church in Australia and I believe that's very, very true now. In the midst of all that is going on, we as a people should be responding in prayer. We should be crying out to our God. We should be asking Him to awaken us and first and foremost, we need that awakening in prayer. Jesus' disciples spent much time with Him and when they saw him and heard how he prayed, there was something that was so different about him. There was something that was different that they engaged with. They saw the value that Jesus placed on prayer. They saw the intimacy that he had with his father. And when they looked at him and saw how he diligently did this again and again, they said, Jesus, teach us how to do that. We want to know how to pray like you prayed. We want to engage with the father like you engage with the father. That's what we need. We need to pray like that. And we need to realize that if we're going to have an impact, we need to pray like that also. And we need to understand that prayer isn't just something we do. Prayer has become a weapon that we can use in our fight. Jesus taught his disciples and in turn he taught us that prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that we can utilize in our fight for the reign of God on this earth. He taught us to pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray your kingdom come, we're actually asking that God's reign will be here on earth as it is in heaven. It's a cry that his laws be obeyed, that all of creation will submit to him, that the gospel message will be advanced everywhere until the earth is filled with his glory. And obviously, when we pray this, the expectation is that it starts with me. It starts with the individual. 
It begins with us. And prayers like this should move us to action. And when we're moved to action for our Lord, when we're serving Him, we're going to create opposition. It's going to come against us. There's absolutely no doubt. And I know that perhaps you're thinking of people who oppose you. There's those people in the workplace who ridicule you because you're Christian. There's people who throw back at you about this fairy tale you believe in when you tell them about Jesus. There's those who make detrimental comments when you post something on social media about Jesus. And there's people who think we're just outright crazy. But we have to remember, they're not our primary target. They're not who we're fighting against. We're told in Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, there is opposition And we can see the physical flesh and blood opposition. That's something that we encounter on a regular basis. But behind this is the real fight. The battle for the lives of the men, women and children we know are these guys. We're opposed by the rulers, by the authorities, by the cosmic powers of this present darkness. The spiritual forces of evil. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. And this is our true enemy. And Paul's trying to emphasize to us that there are princes, evil princes, who rule over regions in the heavenly realms. And when we look throughout Scripture, it's clear that Satan has a whole army working with him. And they're working against the plans of God. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. And in verse 13 of Ephesians 6, Paul calls us, just after this, to take up the whole armor of God, to engage or wrestle with these forces of darkness in this present age. Our fight is not a never-ending battle. It's only for this time. Only your earthly existence. Jesus has won the war. It's done and dusted. We can be assured of that. And there will come a day when this fight will end. We'll be in his presence in glory. There'll be no more heartache, no more pain, no more sins, no more death. But until then, we fight. Wrestling for God and his kingdom to reign on this earth. And we need to realize how we pray individually and as a church in the here and now has a huge impact on the reign of God in our region. I want you to think about Daniel and how he fasted for 21 days. No coincidence there, I don't think. And and, and he was fasting because he wanted to know what was going to happen with the nation of Israel. And and so he fasted those 21 days. He wanted to hear what God would say. And this angel comes to him on the 21st day, and this is what the angel said to him. He said, fear not, Daniel. From the first day, from the first day, when you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. 
Daniel's prayer was heard and responded on the very first day. It wasn't 21 days later, even though that's when he finally got the answer. Because we learn in verse 13 that the prince of Persia, one of Satan's horde, was opposing this messenger of God who was going to Daniel. He held this messenger of God back. And he was held back until the archangel Michael came and overthrew the prince of Persia. Daniel's prayer was answered. He receives this vision of Israel's future. And even though the one that was bringing the message to Daniel was opposed, that message still came to him. And we need to believe that when we pray, heaven hears and heaven responds, heaven answers. And we can be assured that our prayers will be answered. But what we need to realize is there's going to be opposition. There's going to be those forces that oppose what we pray. And it's going to be constantly going on. The powers of darkness will continually oppose everything related to God. And that includes you and me, the followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we worship an all-powerful, almighty God, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And although there'll be resistance, our prayers have an impact on the reign of God in our area, just as they did with Daniel. And Jesus calls us to pray with power, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But we need to realize that prayer also involves surrender. This is the second part of Matthew 6.10. This is me saying, it is no longer my will that matters, Lord, it must be your will that gets done. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he made submission and willing obedience to God a very real part of that prayer. And that's a tough call. I struggle with it. I find it hard. But Jesus didn't only demand this. He lived it so we could see it. One of the last prayers that Jesus prayed is recorded for us in Mark 14, 36. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. I think so many people struggle to pray because they don't know what to say. They've been caught with people who have these eloquent spiritual words, prayers that do sound beautiful. And we think we have to live up to that. It's not true. I think uh, there's others who shared with me that they've stopped praying because their prayers have not been answered. And I think uh, for those of you who've been part of the prayer meetings that I lead, you know that I love short prayers. I love as many people as possible to pray during those meetings. I encourage everyone to pray if they can. And there's no expectation of those big flowery words to be used. I love those short, punchy things. I love words that come straight from the heart. What's eloquent about this prayer? What's the deep spiritual words that are there? What great length is there? But this is a prayer from the heart. He prayed this prayer three times.
was going to the cross. He knew the terrible ordeal he was about to face. And this is the prayer he prayed in response to that three times. He prayed so earnestly that he sweat droplets of blood. And for the horror that was before him, he begged for this cup to be taken from him, if that was at all possible. But he finished this prayer with, not my will, but yours be done. As much as he wanted that to pass him by, he submitted to the Father's will. Jesus, the Son of God, asked for this cup to pass him by. He didn't get that prayer answered. Not the way that we would hope, not the way that we would want. But God sent him an angel. And that angel ministered to him and strengthened him so that he could endure what was going to come before him. God heard the prayer and he responded in a way that was going to be beneficial. And I can't even begin to imagine what that was like for Jesus. But part of our fight is against our flesh. It's about our personal surrender to God. If we want to see God do great things here at STBC, then we need to be praying for that constant personal surrender to God and His will. It needs to be about Him and not about me. We need to realize that prayer isn't like a wishing well where we throw something in and get something out that we actually want. And neither is prayer a safety net we pull out and use in times of hardship or trouble. Prayer is intended to be part of our daily, moment-by-moment surrendering of our will to God. And when we get this, when we understand the connection we can have with God, then prayer becomes part of our protection. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's the devil who leads us into sin. And in and of ourselves, we are pretty much powerless to overcome him. But we're told to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And time doesn't permit me to go into what's actually contained in this and a little bit lost in translation. So I'll paraphrase this verse so you can understand a little bit more. What it's really saying is, do not allow us to be led into temptation that it overwhelms us, but rescue us from the evil one. And it's clear Scripture is implying that the devil's too strong for us. That on our own, we don't have the strength to stand up to him. But with and through Jesus, we can ask the Father and he will deliver us when we call upon him. Think about the disciples who were with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is following that short prayer that I read from uh, Mark 14. Jesus says to his disciples... Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus is in one of the greatest struggles of his life and he's desperately praying to his father. And he has asked his disciples to join him in prayer. And yet they fell asleep. And the crazy thing is, the prayer that Jesus wanted them to pray at that time wasn't a prayer for him, the prayer was for them. He knew they would lose faith. He knew that they would be scattered, that Peter would betray him. And he says, you need to pray about these things. You need to pray for strength from the Father. You need to ask him to give you that strength to endure all that you're going to face. And in reality, we're no different to the disciples. You see, 
These men had already shown a willingness to follow Jesus. They had given up so much in order to do exactly that. And within their own minds, they're ready. We've heard Peter say, Father, Jesus, these guys, all of these guys, they may fall away. I never will. I'll follow you to death if I need to, Jesus. And I don't believe they were flippant words for him. I don't believe that he didn't understand what he was saying. I think he genuinely believed that he would die with Jesus if that was necessary. But the flesh is weak. Peter was weak. When danger comes, when we face opposition, when we experience fear, we pull back, we shrink We may think our faith is strong. But I know from my past experiences, I cannot rely on myself. I cannot rely on my strength and my abilities. When Jesus looks at his disciples, he knows those guys love him. That they sincerely want to follow him. But he calls them to pray because he knows human nature. He knows our weaknesses. He knows how difficult it is for us. And he knows that if we pray asking God to help, God will. And he will strengthen us and he will sustain us. Think again about what is happening. Jesus is facing his most desperate hour. And these are some of his final words to his disciples. He calls them to pray, not for him, but for themselves. And he calls them to pray that they will not fall into temptation. And they respond by sleeping. Are we any different? When we look at church health, Numbers have been declining in all denominations in Australia. And those who know me know I really don't care about numbers. I care about spiritual growth. But when the numbers aren't there, when the numbers are declining, it's your children that are no longer in church. For some of you, it's your children's children who are no longer in church. These are people... who don't have relationships with Jesus. And that means they're heading into a Christless eternity. That means they'll be separated from all things good forever. There's a growing separation between the values of God and the values of the world. And the church is losing its voice and influence in society. Just think about the recent times. Think about the backlash that we experienced over same-sex marriage and our stance upon a biblical understanding of what marriage really is. Think about the increased family breakdowns that we're experiencing in our communities at the, time, at the moment. Think about the domestic violence which continues to grow right at this time. Think about the lack of hope, the lack of direction, resulting in increased suicide rates, depression the incredible amount of young people inflicting self-harm upon themselves. They're alarming rates. And it's not just in the world anymore, it's part of our church as well.
so much pain, so much heartache, so much loss. I'm showing my age by speaking about a guy called Keith Green. He, he once wrote this song called Asleep in the Light. I'm not sure if you know it. You should go home and look up the lyrics. It's pointed at the church. It's a challenge to the church. And one of the second choruses said, the world is sleeping in the dark, but the church just can't fight. Because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave. You can't even get out of bed. And the song is a challenge to the Christian church where we have the answer and we don't care. We prefer to be with our friends and family here. We prefer to gather on a Sunday than to tell others about Jesus Christ. We are living in desperate times, desperate times. And I believe, just as Jesus said to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is saying to us, wake up, stay awake, be alert and pray. The enemy is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, devour. And he is devouring people. He is stealing, he is destroying our families, our community. And he isn't dumb. He doesn't know the future. But he knows your weakness. He knows how to deter you from doing those things which will make a difference. And I believe he's responsible for believers not praying. It's something every believer should do. And what is our response? Prayer is a powerful weapon to fight for God's reign, but it's only a powerful weapon if we actually do it. Prayer is a personal surrender to the will of God, but again, it's only a surrender if we are willing to surrender to the will of God. And prayer gives us protection against the enemy of God. We only need that protection if we're doing God's purpose and His will. And prayer cannot be our last resort. Prayer should always be our first port of call. And the question is, will you pray? We're committing to 21 days of prayer for revival starting tomorrow. And I'm asking, will you commit to be a part of that? Will you pray every day for revival? First and foremost, for yourself, for the people of SDBC, then for this community, this state, this nation, this world. Will you commit to be part of that? On the 19th, we're going to have a day of prayer and we've got all those slots for 7 to 9, or 7 to 6.30, sorry, because then we're going to have a time of prayer and praise. If those slots don't get filled, I'll be here the whole day praying. I'm committed to it. We need to be committed to it. But I would love for people to join me. I would love for people to come in and say, you know what, I'm serious about seeing revival in this place at this time. And so I ask you to commit to that. 
Maybe some of you this morning are waking to this sense of Jesus saying that you need to pray. And this is not a rebuke. This is a call. This is a wake-up call. This is Jesus saying, wake up, watch and pray. He's encouraging us to engage with him. He wants us to talk with him. He wants us to talk about the things that are most on our heart. And when we pray, we should be saying, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And we should be willing to intercede for those who don't know our Lord. We should be willing to intercede for those who aren't engaging the way they should. And we should be doing it with a love and concern which will draw them to the Father. And my question is, will you do it? Because I can stand here and bump my gums every Sunday and mean squat if you don't do it. I encourage you, if you don't have the material for the 21 days of prayer, please contact us. We'll be more than happy to provide that for you. I encourage you, what works for me is praying every morning, every morning before my day starts. I pray with my wife before she goes to work, every day before she goes to work. We need to be engaged in prayer. And particularly at this time, I ask that you pray for revival. I would love people to come forward admitting that they haven't got this right, submitting to the Lord this morning. I can't make you do that. That's you acknowledging that God's speaking to you and saying, I don't care what others think. I'm going to come forward. I'm going to make this commitment to you, Lord. From this day forward, I'm going to endeavour to pray for you. And if you want me to hold you accountable, I'm not going to beat you over the head. I'm just going to send you a text every day and say, hey, what did you pray this morning? I already do that for over 100 people in this church. I'm more than happy to do it for a few more. If God has laid it on your heart that you haven't got this right, I encourage you, come forward. Let's pray for you. We'll be delighted. There won't be any judgment here at all. We'll be delighted that God has spoken to you. You can do that during the last song. But uh, I'm going to pray now and I'm going to hand back to the worship team. Thank you, guys. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you first and foremost that you are a mighty, powerful God. And Lord, I want to thank you more than anything that it is through you and your grace alone that I am saved. And Lord, you call us to pray. I want to ask for your forgiveness when I've treated that lightly. That I can speak to you, the creator of all things that you listen to me and you answer me. Forgive me, Lord, when it's just been prayers for the last priority. Prayers when I'm in desperate need. And Lord, I just pray that we will become a people who run to you first. We run to you when we're in need. We run to you when we're celebrating. We run to you when we want to thank you, Lord, because you are our Lord and Saviour. You are our God and you have the priority and purpose in our life that you rightly deserve. Change our hearts towards you, Lord. We desperately need a spiritual awakening. Do your work, I pray. In Jesus' name.